All right, what's up? What's up? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, thank you, everybody, thank you, everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of the Taz Show. I am Taz, uh, the one and only human suplex machine, as I used to be called. Uh, anyway, thanks for downloading this show at this episode, I should say, at uh, radio.com on the website or the app or Apple Podcast. Maybe you're downloading at the uh, Stitcher or Spotify. I think the Google Play something, whatever I told you, Google, that's working too for the Android people. Um, wherever you get your podcast, you are pulling in the Taz show right now. And you are probably subscribed to it, which makes you a genius man or woman. If you're not subscribed, well, that's a problem. You need to get with the program and subscribe to the show. Thank you. We got a nice, healthy kind of an AW. The AW debuted on TNT. And I'm going to chat up some AW, give you a little reaction to some stuff on the show. I give you some of my opinions and thoughts and views and uh and you know how maybe maybe some things i would have done a little bit different here and there but uh for the most part uh give you my my full breakdown of it and how i felt about it if i liked it if i did not like it or what have you first let me take care of this uh there was also an announcement that during uh, as everybody's getting ready to watch the quote-unquote wednesday night wars and get ready to watch AEW and TNT and getting ready to watch uh, NXT, uh, you know, uh, well, StarCast put out a little information uh, with all these uh, great guests that are going to be at StarCast, uh, former and current uh, pro wrestling personalities, and yours truly, yes, I will be at the upcoming StarCast in November in Baltimore, that was announced, so um, uh, I'm excited about this, I had a great time the last time I was in StarCast in Las Vegas, and this will be, uh, for those that are wondering, StarCast will be November 7th through the 10th in Baltimore, in uh, Charm City, as they call it. So you should go to StarCast. That's with two R's, StarCast, S-T-A-R-R-C-A-S-T.com. So platinum and gold bracelets on sale now. Um, and you can see your boy. Uh, so you can go there, and your boy meaning me. And I will be um, basically... Doing, uh, you know, meet and greets, you know, signing, uh, autograph, table gimmick, the whole deal. Also, I think I will be doing something else there. I don't know if I'm allowed to say yet what that'll be, but I will be doing something else there, too. How about that? So, yes. And then, by the way, uh, Conrad Thompson does a great job with StarCast, as you guys know. And, they had, and you know, and he and I have had our problems in the past. We know that. But we're past that. And a lot of people, his people, his people, Conrad's people, meaning the people that pull in all of all 5,000 of his shows, and he does a great job. He's the king of podcasting, I guess. And his people are like, oh, wow, the relationship is patched up. Oh, wow. Get with the frigging program. The relationship's been patched up. Me and Conrad are boys. Are you kidding me? We worked this thing out, you know, before Vegas happened. That was months ago. Are you kidding me? That's my southern brother, my Alabama boy right there. Alabama boy. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, cool stuff going on. RoboCop is going to be at StarCast. <laughs> Remember RoboCop? It's a very NWA-esque feel. Sting's going to be there in donning the red, white, and blue. 
uh, like they they did some really cool video packaging. There's a little video on yours truly too. Uh, the Sting video package is cool. The Ron Simmons one is cool. Ron Simmons will be there with a lot of history on the NWA uh, and how the connectivity to Baltimore. So it's pretty cool. Tony Schiavone will be there now. One of the main voices of AEW, obviously, and of course, all his fame in, in NWA and uh, WCW. Um, Mark Merrow is going to be there. Uh, and a lot of current stars uh, from AEW and, and current wrestlers like Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt, uh, Jurassic Jones. The, that crew, they're going to be there, which is awesome. Current wrestlers, there from AEW. And trying to think who else. I mentioned Ron Simmons. Uh, the Ding Dongs will be there from NWA fan. <laughs> Remember that? The Ding Dongs. Uh, Dustin Rhodes will be there. Joey Janela. I'm trying to think of all the names. There's a plethora. Um, Arn Anderson, who now he's in the podcast world. Of course, Conrad locked down Arn. So Arn, the enforcer himself, he will be there. Um, that'll be a lot of real uh, NWA feel to it. Uh, Ricky Steamboat, the great Ricky Steamboat will be there. So, yeah, it's it's going to be, it seems like it's going to be a fun event. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I might attempt to hook RoboCop in the Katahajime and choke his fucking ass out with a Taz mission. Now, that would be money. So Conrad probably would love that idea, except that might cost him a little bit more shekels. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> I kid, you know me. <laughs> anyway, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a really cool thing. So check it out. Uh, go to the Twitter account, Starcast Events. Again, that's what two R's again, Starcast Events. You can see all those videos there, or go to the website. Like I said, so I wanted to promote that. I also like to promote. There is yes, there is a new uh, Taz Show T-shirt, which you guys will love. We haven't dropped a T-shirt in quite some time. But there's a new one, and we might get to this later on, but I'll get to plug on the shirt for you right now. H2O Jones, that's right. Finally, the Water Break t-shirt has dropped at ProWrestlingTees.com slash T-A-Z. Go there, pick up your t-shirt. There's a plethora of Taz shirts, um, human suplex machine shirts, Survivor If I Let You shirts, Path of Rage shirts, Taz Show shirts, anything you can imagine. ProWrestlingTees.com slash T-A-Z. Go there and get your new uh, H2O Jones shirt, the water break shirt. First time in a really long time I've ever had a piece of piece of merchandise without the color orange and black, without orange in it. This shirt is black. It's a black T-shirt with blues in it, like a raw blue and like a bright turquoise blue and white, kind of the water feel, water break Jones. There's a water bottle involved. There's my face involved. It says H2O Jones. It's off the chain, as the kids are saying. So, yeah, check that out. It's pretty badass. It's pretty cool. Uh, speaking of that, God, we're just getting rolling here, and I'm like, I'm already in the game. Time for a water break right now. Perfect segue to the T-shirt. Hang on a second. If you're new to the Taz show, this happens. I take water breaks, and then all you people that listen, you grab your water and you drink while I drink. So hang on. I use a straw, though. I, I used to go straight bottle, and I use a straw. Sometimes it whistles. I don't know. It's a crap shoe. I'm going to take a sip right now. Let's see if it whistles. Ah, uh, no whistle today. Ah, it's a little pissy warm, though. Ugh. See, I got one of those, like, hydro flask. You know what I'm talking about, right? One of those gimmick bottles. And so sometimes the um the uh I, I, you know, the water it keeps the water fresh, but and it doesn't stay cold all the time because I used to use ice in it. 
What some people don't know about me is I have very sensitive gums. I'm a very sensitive man, and my gums are sensitive. I think it might be over the years of, you know, I've you know dabbled in smoking cigars, as many of you know. I'm a cigar guy. And also years ago, uh, I used to pack a lip a lot. So sometimes your gums can build some sensitivity, but that's just my personal private business. Uh, anyway, so that's the deal. So last night was the big night. As I dropped this show to you on Thursday, um, October 3rd, it was big, 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 big. It was the Wednesday Night Wars, which you guys that listen to my content on a regular basis know that I don't feel there's a war and I don't feel that this should be looked at as, as a competition if you're AEW or WWE, in my opinion. I understand the perception. I know fans are going to look at it like that. I get it. It's hard not to look at it like that, but I, it's not. I've always said here since we knew the debut of AEW is going to happen on TNT that AEW's biggest competition is AEW. They need to compete against themselves to do the best shows, the most flawless shows they can do week in and week out. And last night was the start of that. Uh, Did I like last night's show uh, of of Dynamite? Yes, I actually did. I liked it very much. I enjoyed it very much. And I'm looking forward to next week when they broadcast live out of Boston. Okay, I did enjoy the show very much. Was the show perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. But I'll tell you what, for the first time doing live TV, I know they've done live pay-per-views. It's different, though. A pay-per-view is a lot different. It's timed out different. The break spots, <laughs> totally different. Um, the, 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 flow, the flow of the show is different. Uh, so it's different than a pay-per-view. So I, I think it's unfair to say, well, they've done live pay-per-views, the double or nothing, and... Uh, all, all, you know, it, it's different. It, it's different. It's, this is TV. This is, you, you know... This is different. So I do feel that for their first live TV outing, I thought they were on a scale of 9 to 10. I'm sorry, a scale of 10, a 1 to 10, I should say. Uh, I think it was a a, a strong 9, in my opinion. I really do. Um, and I'm also going to give them a lot of benefit of the doubts because they also know. So if you're going to compare, which is the natural thing, them to WWE at this moment in time, it's like NXT is a full throttled structure for like several years now. And all the TV tapings they've done out of that building in Orlando at full sale and all the live big pay-per-views they've done before the big WWE pay-per-views, you know? So the triple H and his crew, they have a complete structure that's locked and loaded and works. And the body of work is there where AW and the crew at AW from production to talent and everyone behind the scenes, this is, I, I don't want to sit here and exaggerate or lie or bullshit and say this is new to them. No, they're experienced men and women that work for AEW. Trust me. Uh, in the past, I've talked about, like, okay, just real quick from a production perspective, you know, the people that are running the truck for AEW, you know, a gentleman by the name of Keith Mitchell. You know, I mentioned, I talked about Keith before and his history is long history in the wrestling business, dating back to the Von Erichs in Texas, running their TVs uh, from, from WCW all the years on Nitro that Keith Mitchell um, ran production for them. Okay, and I worked with Keith for years in TNA, all heading up production in TNA at live shows or, or pay-per-views. So Keith is far from a novice or a rookie, um, and 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 the folks that are running camera and the director Tim Wahlberg, I believe Tim is director there. Uh, Tim and I worked together in WWE for a long time, uh, and and also worked in TNA for a long time. And Tim, as I mentioned a long time ago here, 
well, not too long, several episodes back, he, he ran production for the Baltimore Orioles for a lot of years. So these are experienced people running a live truck, and you could tell by watching this is not their first rodeo. Um, the lighting, I don't know who's doing their lighting, but whoever's doing their lighting is the real deal. I mean, the freaking show is lit perfect. Their lighting is pristine. Um, everything, their, their satellite feed, their live satellite signal is, that's very expensive, by the way, to do every week. <laughs> that's really a lot of money, and there, there is pristine. I, the look is great. Everything from the way the ring looks. I love the way the ring looks, actually. The black ropes, the black apron. And the color of the canvas, the uh, black guardrails with the, the TNT AW gimmicks over them, it's perfect. You could tell when you watch it, you're not watching WWE. Just the eye, the eye test, you know it's not WWE programming. It's not. It looks more like Nitro, to be honest. <clears throat> and and I, I like that. I think that's kind of cool. And, and especially with voices on the show like JR and Tony Schiavone, it does feel Nitro-ish, which I think is good. I think that's cool. I mean, Nitro had a, a, an insane amount of success. It was a cool show, you know, so and that went up against Raw. So I do think that's kind of cool. And ironically enough, it's, ironically enough, it's on Turner Networks on TNT. So I'm telling you, I, I just watching, looking at it, the lighting, like I said, they had some pyro involved at the top of the show on Cody's entrance, I think, too, on MJF's entrance if I'm, or Hangman Page. I can't recall. But but on one of those cats, maybe both, maybe on Hangman Page. I, I can't remember. But the video wall, that looked tremendous. Everything looked slick, professional. They were sold out over 14. There was north of 14,000 people there um, in D.C., in Washington, D.C. I mean, it was it was a successful night for the company for sure from what i understand tony khan the owner of the company is in the pit literally he is in the go position as many know as the gorilla position and he's working in the gorilla position he's working in the go position literally you know his hands are involved with everything and mr khan i tip my cap you should be like that you're the owner of the company this is your baby, and you've been a lifelong supporter and fan of the industry. So, you know, you should be involved with it because you know what you want. It's your money. That's how I look at it. I have no problem with that. And I would think anybody who works under Tony Khan is down with that. I mean, so, but he has the right people around him, too. So, you know, and we saw all of those right people, those EVPs, wrestle last night. And that's something else I want to say. Just to put them over a little bit more here, um, guys like Cody Rhodes, or Cody, okay, guys like Cody, guys like the Young Bucks, and guys like Kenny Omega, you know, you you uh, uh, the EVPs there, you you forget almost throughout this whole buildup, through all these months of promotion and penetration, social media wise, and the presence all these men have, and Brandy Rose, the presence she has on social media as the, uh, you know, as, as also a front executive there in branding, you could you could get lost and forget how talented of in-ring workers these guys are until you watch the show last night, and then you realize and you remember, oh, shit. Yeah, um, Cody Rhodes is a fucking hell of a worker. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, Kenny Omega, arguably uh, the best in the world. I mean, that's how good he is. Okay, yeah. Oh, the Young Bucks. Uh, good luck touching them as a tag team. They're fucking unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, I sat there realizing, yeah, these guys are wearing multiple hats, but yet when the ding, ding, ding happens, they get it on. 
and they showed that yesterday, and I respect that because here's the deal for me. I worked for a company many years ago where I wore, wore many hats, and other guys that were in the locker room wore several hats, and I had to go out there and make sure that I busted my ass and put on the right show as a performer and as an athlete, even though behind the scenes, I was designing merchandise or coming up with monikers or running the wrestling school and all that stuff and everything I've done for ECW and give input on different booking decisions and, and, and you know, be a, a, a one of the set of the ears that Paul Heyman could bounce something off of. Um, I was in that role, so I wore many hats. I didn't just show up with a black towel and say, okay, here I am. I'm a human suplex machine. I'm ready to fuck somebody up. Okay, that's not how it worked. I did a lot of stuff, <laughs> and not just me. Many guys there did. So. I respect that seeing when guys can go in the ring and still have that high level work rate and high level intensity and put on the right show as an athlete and a performer, but yet they're doing so much more during the day and they're wearing so many other hats. In the case of these gentlemen, they're wearing EVP hats. I mean, so I, I respect that. The ability to multitask that level, very impressive. Uh, what those guys did as in-ring performers last night. So I tipped my cap them on that. Uh, I did not watch a lot of NXT at all. I wasn't flipping back and forth. I was more locked in to AEW, and I enjoyed it a lot. I, um, that, Like I said, though, there are a couple things I would have done a little bit different, um, which I got to get into. I know I keep teasing that, and I don't mean to do it as a tease, but then I keep getting sidetracked, but there are things, a lot of things I want to say here. Um, from a little bit I watched of NXT and what I heard about NXT last night was a really good wrestling show. It had a lot of matches on it and the matches were all really strong and they have a hell of a roster. Why wouldn't it be? You know, uh, I've praised NXT's, uh, the ability in Hunter's eyes, Hunter's eye to pull talent. He's excellent at it. There's no doubt about it. He's got an amazing crew of men and women there and, and the ones that been through the door and now are in the main roster and then some come back like Finn Balor apparently came back yesterday. I didn't see that. I'm a fan of Finn, so I'll make sure I check out. I'm going to watch it today, tape. But I wanted to talk more about AEW. But um, the thing is, so from what I understand, from what people tell me, it was a little bit more like the matches were really good on NXT and the the flow of it from what I understand. Now, truth be told, like I said, I didn't see them yet compared to the matches were great on what guys are telling me. The matches are great on AEW. They really were. But the flow felt different and all this stuff. Let's say that's true. Okay, let's say that's true. This is where I'll also defend AEW. The, the clock, what I mean by the clock is when you work, when you wrestle on live TV, you're under a clock. Okay, you have to work. It's all about time. Your budget, your match is budgeted for X amount of time. Seven minutes, eight minutes, 12 minutes, whatever it is. Hey, there's a break spot in your match. Blah, blah, blah. That changes. <laughs> you, if you're not used to doing that, it can throw a monkey wrench in your game plan as an athlete. I am telling you that from experience many years ago when I was younger. The NXT, my point in this in long-winded form, the NXT crew, the guys and girls there, the wrestlers, they are very used to, they are extremely used to that clock. They're used to that clock. Even though they're doing a TV taping for the most part, but the past couple of weeks they've been live, they're still working what they call live to tape. Okay, that's how SmackDown was done a lot when I was on SmackDown years ago as a commentator or when I wrestled on SmackDown. Raw was always live, and a, a, bu a bunch of the times SmackDown wasn't live, and it was live to tape. I'll explain that in a minute. 
TNA was live to tape. A lot of TNA was live to tape. Live to tape. I can't speak on Ring of Honor or those other companies because I never worked for them. Live to tape means that you're you're taping the show as a production crew as if it's live. But there's breaks. Point is, you, you try not to have your breaks too long. You try to stay true to the live clock even though you're not live, if that makes sense. So point is... Even though NXT at Full Sail wasn't live for all these several years, they were still working live to tape, okay, to train the talent to be prepared for Raw and SmackDown's clock, okay? That's something probably no one is going to, you're going to hear tons of podcasts today and the next week about AW and NXT and all this stuff. No one's going to explain that to you like I just did. I promise you. <laughs> but the live clock and working live to tape and what that does. So the NXT roster is is used to that as a as a chunk, you know. But AEW, I mean, most of the guys and girls that wrestled on the card are are not. Not Cody Rhodes. Cody, obviously, he is. He's used to that. He understands that. Chris Jericho, he is obviously. But you know, let's just say, for example, someone like um, for argument's sake, like a Kenny Omega or like a Young Bucks or like Sammy. Or like um, like an MJF. I mean, I'm not too sure. All his work in MLW, maybe they've done a, a live-to-tape thing. I know they tape, they tape three, four weeks at a clip, so maybe they got more gaps, and maybe it's not live-to-tape. I don't know. But I'm saying a lot of the, the, the talent at AEW is probably not as used to that. My point in that is you can't – it's tougher to let your hair down sometimes until you get your sea legs onto you as a talent working on that live clock. And I do think as the next couple of weeks evolve here for AEW, you'll see that more of a looseness in the matches, okay? I didn't sense a ton of tenseness in the matches. Like watching a Sammy G work with Cody Rhodes to kick the show off. Now, I love the friggin' match. <laughs> I'm a fan. I mean, I've always been a fan of Cody's work. But this Sammy G, I'm not too familiar with him. Uh, Gravana, I think he's fucking great. I love this kid. I love this kid is money to me. I think he's great. I love him. He's going to make a ton of money in this business. I mean, and if I'm AEW, I'm trying to keep him as long as I can because he's a young guy who's got experience. But yet, man, that guy can go. He can work. His timing is great. So, um, you know, uh, he, but he's someone who maybe doesn't have as much experience, but yet he's in the ring with a guy like Cody. But forget about the EVP shit. He's in the ring with a guy like Cody who's an experienced professional wrestler used to working at the highest level under a clock. So he understands that. So he can help young brother during the match. That's the key right there to the business. Not just AEW. That's wrestling. That's how we got your brother and you're trained to help your brother in the ring. I mean, that's how it works. You help each other the best you can. So I think if I felt that watching those two guys work in the opening match while these guys made history, AEW. Now, speaking of that opening match, I, honestly, though, I, I would have probably, I think AEW was in a pickle last night just the way to start the show. I was not, obviously, in any of their meetings. I don't know any information from any of their meetings leading up to how they booked the show last night. But I'm assuming strongly that they, they, start, they probably were on the fence of starting the show off with a video package of Sammy G. And Cody. Now let's discuss that for a second. 
So basically, if you didn't see it, basically the show started with their new AEW Dynamite Open, which is, is badass. I love it. And they, you know, and then they do an establish on camera, as they call it, to establish the voices you're going to hear for the next couple hours, which is you know, obviously good old JR, Jim Ross. It was Tony Schiavone, and it was Excalibur. Okay, that's the voice. That's their announced team right now at AEW, right? And, and I thought the guys did a good job all night. Um, and I thought JR sounded great, and, and it was great to hear Tony and JR interacting in on the air. That was very cool. Um, you know, they're both legendary guys, and Calvin did a good job, too, in his role and what he does. So, I mean, they, that's all cool. You did, they did the right thing, in my opinion, doing an establishing on camera. This is where I think maybe, just maybe, in some of the meetings leading up to this, they were tossing back and forth. Instead of going right to Cody's at Cody's entrance or Sammy's entrance, like right to the match or to the entrances of the wrestlers, they went to a video package of Sammy and Cody. It kind of, again, just just critique here. It kind of brings you, I don't want to say brings you down, but it, it kills that live energetic feel, that exuberant feel. But I understand why they did it. This is the pickle they're in. They did that. Because they want to tell you the story so you can learn about why these two guys are fighting each other. And you can learn about this kid, Sammy G, Sammy Gravano. You don't know. Most people don't know him. So they tried to do some kind of a package to show you who he is, what he's about, and what Cody is and what he's about, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so that's what I understand. And that makes sense to do. And then some would say, well, shit, why didn't they just run that package later on in the show, start it off with a match, and then have Cody wrestle, you know, maybe Cody wrestle Sammy, you know, maybe the third match instead of the first match. So then they could have established it later. Well, I would assume Cody probably it was best for him to wrestle first to get that out of the way to wrestling in so he could he's in the gorilla position. He's in the go position. So he's got all the responsibilities wearing all the hats. So he probably wanted to have his match done early enough. So then he could be back fit, back there, backstage for the bulk of the show to do his other jobs. That's probably what it is. And this is when sometimes it is difficult when you have your top-tier talent is also your office. It's tough because you have to wear many hats, and it's it's tough to, you know, the, the logistics of it, you know. So I, I could see where they were in that pickle last night. Um, but I, did it? Heard anything? Did people click off and go to NXT? Maybe, maybe, but you're going to come back to see, you know, the entrance of Cody. You, you're going to come back to see it if you do off flipping. And then they had their match. They did their entrance, and you could feel. By the way, on Cody's entrance, when him and Brandy came up and they raised through the stage, you felt that. You felt that emotion. You felt that they were both very. It was a long road to this. Uh, this AEW road that they've been on every day, seven days a week. You know, they've been on this road, and now it's here. You you build to this moment of the first live TV. You built to it, and now it's here, and then you got 14,000 people and, and, and counting looking at you, DC screaming and chanting in this giant building uh, with this beautiful ring, this beautiful lighting grid, and you're like, wow. We did it. You're you're standing there for Cody next to the love of your life, your wife, and this is like, and she's next to you, the, the love of her life, and this is like, this is freaking awesome. And you could you could feel that emotion off both of them. You could see it. I thought that was cool. It's a cool moment. That's something I was talking to a friend of mine today. That's something that you don't see uh, in WWE much anymore because there's it's every week, all the time, 
nonstop programming. The amount of programming and the amount of saturation of programming is immense. So sometimes it just becomes a machine, a giant machine that just keeps on rolling and there's less emotions evolved. I'm not saying that the guys and girls in WWE have no emotions. I'm, I'm probably implying that a little bit. I don't mean to be like that, but I'm just being honest. It's different than something that's brand new, a new league as TNT deems AEW, which they are. So it's a totally different feel. You know what I mean? So um, the match itself, I thought, was excellent. Um, I love the match. Really good chemistry between Cody and Sammy G. Really, really, really good chemistry with these two. I'm telling you right now, you could see it. You could feel it. It was excellent. They did a very interesting spot throughout the uh, during the match. A good you know moment to get a lot of heat on Sammy G, where he was outside the ring and Brandy, who, who, who was seconding um, Cody was jaw jacking yelling at sammy g on the outside and here comes cody with a big dive and as he goes through the ropes uh, um, sammy pulls brandy i'm sorry sammy pulls that yeah sammy pulls <laughs> brandy and uh to me vowels at the end and um well sammy's a y at the end but you get it and and boom here comes the incoming from cody and hits his wife he hits brandy and she takes his bump she took a great bump and Cody did the right thing, showing concern for her, for his wife. Oh, my God, is she okay? The place popped, and then the place started getting all over Sammy, calling him like asshole or something like that. It's good heel heat. Now, I was, truth be told, I was a little surprised that Brandy, that they, that they, that Brandy stayed out there. Okay, because she took this big bump. But she was part of the finish too, so I, that that did surprise me. To be honest, truth be told, I was surprised. I'm sure they have their reasons why. I guess because they wanted her involved in the finish and whatnot. But you know, it's it, no harm, no foul. I mean, it still was, you know, it still was uh, a really, really cool high spot. And Brandy works. I mean, so she's not. It's not like she's just, you know, a, a, a female or a male valet that's not an athlete. She's, she works. She's a wrestler. So she, she, you know, it's not a shocking moment. Um, meaning that she's, she can stay out there. That's what I'm saying. But you know what? I mean, um, the match itself, I thought was excellent. That, that spot, I thought was an awesome heat spot <clears throat> for sure. And then the, uh, the other thing I'll tell you too, like at the end there, uh, in that particular, uh, match with Cody and Sammy, um, which again, I, I want to see more of these two guys down the road. Cause I do really feel like there's excellent chemistry with, with them for sure. You know, when we saw Sammy at the end, like saying, Hey, let's shake hands or your congratulatory type of handshake type thing. Um, and then Jericho, Chris Jericho, the AW champion, he came out and from behind and attacked Cody and, and beat the heck out of him. I would have done that a little different just to give you a different perspective on how I would have done that production wise different. Okay. I would have, as the verbal interactions happening with Sammy and Cody, because Tony Schiavone was fixing to interview Cody. And that's when Sammy interrupted it and was saying stuff to Cody. And I can't remember if they shook hands or not. They're about to shake hands. And then Jericho attacked. Now, a couple things. This is when you have a pro like a JR or Shivani in the booth because he understands what to do. And what am I getting at? I'll tell you. A long time ago in the Tash Show, I explained this to you. When you are a commentator or a play-by-play person, your job is to play off the monitor. You don't look at the ring. So when you look at the monitor, 
you're calling and looking at what the audience at home sees. The people in the building, 14,000 people, 25,000 people, 50,000 people, they're irrelevant because there's more people watching home. So you have to placate to the audience watching off of the TV, off of their computer, their laptop, what have you, their phone, which is your monitor. You're watching that same feed if you're the announcers that the audience is watching home. So when Jericho does this blindside attack, you know, an inexperienced announcer is going to say, oh, wait, look at this. Look who's coming. Meanwhile, you don't even see the guy. You know, you're like, what is he talking about? You just see Sammy and Cody in the ring uh, getting ready to shake hands or shake hands or whatever. And you're like, what is this guy talking about? That didn't happen last night. This is when you have a professional or a couple of professionals in the booth. They wait with patience and they wait to see it on the monitor. That is a little inside baseball for you. That's how it's done. That was done properly. Okay, that was done properly. Now, this is what I say what I would have done different, though. Putting aside the monitor and how they, they did the right job there announce-wise, I wouldn't have done that. I would have kept the shot tight on Shivani and, and Cody, and then when Sammy comes in, keep the shot tight on your hard camera looking at it, right? And then Sammy's like, hey, you know, I got something to say to you, and they're, they're fixing to shake hands or whatever. And now... I would have Jr. or Tony say, oh, wait, wait, look at this, and now pull out, have the camera pull wide, and you see someone's running, and once you can identify it's Jericho, because you heard the audience while Cody and Sammy were eye to eye, like popping, like, whoa, 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 but you, didn't, you knew something's fixing to happen, but the camera didn't pull out. But that was by design. I think that's what they wanted. I would have went a little different to to see the guy running in, to see Jericho coming down the aisle and a sense of urgency. And everyone is in on it. The audience is on it. <laughs> the viewers in on it. The announcers are in on it, meaning they all see it. Everyone except Cody. Sammy sees it too. Everyone except Cody. That puts even more heat on the heel in Chris Jericho, when he attacks, when you do pull out the camera, you pull wide, as they say, and you see Jericho coming on the hop down the aisle, and you're like, oh, God, and Shivani and, 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 and Ross like, oh, oh, man, oh, Chris, Chris, you know, whatever, sell it, sell it, sell it, boom, the attack from behind, and then you go to town, and then Jericho does his stuff, and yada, yada, yada. Just a different perspective on how to do it. What they did, was it wrong? No, it was not wrong. I'm giving you a different feel to make it feel more realistic um, in this situation. So instead of just keeping it tight and uh, let the attack happen in just that tight window, it's a production thing. It's a creative thing. It's a, a real feel. I don't know. I, I, all my years, I think, at ECW, I've kind of learned so much over the years capturing that real feel. Uh, I think that's a big deal. If I could toot my own horn on that, I will. Um, speaking uh, to my own horn, I got to talk about all the great advertisers on the Taz show. And this show is free all the time for over 700 episodes. And I always have great people who I partner up with, great companies I partner up with. And I want to talk about something that's a serious thing for a lot of you know guys. I mean, two out of three guys will experience some form of male patent baldness by the time they're 35 years old, guys. This happened to me. This is true. The good news is with today's advance in, in science, um, keeps company keeps okay they offer 
proven treatments that can combat symptoms of hair loss. So Keeps is awesome, right? It's it's basically revolutionizing the way men are treated for hair loss. Okay, uh, you used to have to go to the doctor, to the doctor's office, sit there, make an appointment, talk to the, the guy or the female or the male doctor, whatever, uh, uh, for your hair loss prescription. Uh, now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online, get medication delivered right to your home. No more waiting rooms, no more pharmacy checkout lines. Get doctor attention and discreet drug delivery all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Prevention's key. Prevention's key. See, Keeps treatments really work. They offer up to 90% effective excuse me, effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss, further hair loss. Okay. So basically the sooner you start using keeps, the more, uh, your hair will, you're, you're going to save more of your hair. So make sure you act fast. Don't wait. Don't be like, ah, you know what? I'm starting to lose a little bit of my hair now. No big deal. I'll wait. I'll, I, I'm not sweating this right now. No, 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 no. That's when you need keeps. Okay. Many men even experience hair regrowth with keeps treatment. So what that means is you could you're using keeps and then you can start growing your hair back, which is a big deal with the medication. So find out why keeps has more five-star reviews than any of his of his competitors. Nearly a hundred thousand men trust keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. That's crazy, guys. Keeps treatment start, check this out, at just ten dollars a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. So uh, again. Uh, easier access to hair loss treatment, prescription medication delivered at home, privately, online doctor cons uh, uh, consulting. It's great. So here's the deal. Real simple. Here's the deal for you. If you're ready to take action to prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash Taz to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S.com slash T-A-Z. Keeps.com slash Taz, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Taz. Make sure you do this, guys. It's important. You want to look good, right? You got to look good. That's the gimmick. That's the deal. We know that. You can't run around, you know, with a big-ass ball spot on the back of your head for the rest of your life. Look like a schmuck duck. Nobody wants that. You want to keep your hair. You know what I'm saying? It's like, otherwise, then what are you doing? They're running around, people making fun of you. Look at that guy's head. No. Because of your boy Taz, I got you locked in. I got you covered. Anyway, speaking of covered, we're going to on the side of the break because we're fixing to go to break here. We're going to get into some more chatter about AEW. A lot of other stuff I want to talk about with AEW, MJF, wrestling Brendan Cutler. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about something, what they did with a couple of actors that were ringside. Something that maybe they missed the ball a little bit with some of the young talent in regards to that. They did a little tag team tournament sell. I want to get into that. There's a lot. Um, shoes, Hangman Page versus Pac. I want to get into that. Dr. Britt Baker joined the announce team in the desk. I want to talk about that. There's a lot to cover here as far as AEW Dynamite. And we're going to do that right here on the Taz Show. Sit tight. Be right back. your question you think we do the show for free right it's just like for free because you downloaded it well it's time to pay the bills relax all right jobbers we're back here Taz show going over some uh aw dynamite the debut 
history-making uh, episode, so it's pretty cool. Like I said, man, production-wise, looked great. I mean, if you looked at it, like looked at the building, the way it was lit, the camera shots, the way it was done, the way it was shot, it looked different than WWE, which is nice. It was smooth, it looked clean, it looked sleek, it looked professional. I'll tell you what, they got to be happy with the overall look of it, and and uh, production-wise, was there. Couple of production flaws, though. To be honest, you know there were a couple, and I'll get into that in this this episode here of the Taz Show. Not a burial, just just some views. Again, it's their first show, so you, you got to give them you got to give them a long leash, right? But um, I mentioned MJF. You know, he wrestled Brandon Cutler, and 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 um, good job by Excalibur giving the backstory on on so many different talents, uh, which I think is vital. And he did that with Brandon Cutler, told my how. He grew up and was was childhood friends and buddies and went to school with the Young Bucks and then left the business to start a family, then came back. And I think that's great. Those type of little character development type gimmicks are so important um, because most people might not have known who Brandon Cutler is or was. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, he's very good in the ring, and he and MJF had a really good match. I really enjoyed it. MJF's a straight star. Okay, just a straight fucking star. I mean, you know, he's been on the Taz show, did a lot at Starcast in Vegas, had him on as a live guest, live uh, live Taz show interview Jones, and he was there. So uh, Strong Island boy, right? So he's he's my he's my young homeboy, and uh, actually we don't live that far from each other, so it's pretty funny. But um, he is a star, straight star. Um, this should be his entrance all the time. Basically, if you didn't see it, he comes out, his music's playing, he's got a mic, basically just cuts a promo on his entrance, says he's coming, just buries everybody, buries the audience, buries his opponent. He just buries everyone, and that's that. He's just old school heel. Uh, his bumping and selling is old school heel, and I know he's been inspired by a lot of the old greats, like like. And he reminded me uh, real quick. Let me just jump ahead. Something I don't remember the exact high spot, but it was a, a, a it, with him and Cutler. It was a spot where he MJF sold it reminded me of buddy landell like so much of buddy landell and i don't know if it was on the Taz show or somewhere else where mjf talked about how he was a fan of buddy landell for those that remember buddy landell and buddy was a great heel it was a tremendous talent and um and i'm trying to remember the spot it'll come it'll hit me but um, tremendous sell, bumping and selling. And I think the more MJF can do that as a talent, the better. His gimmick, obviously, like, again, not reinventing the wheel. Talk shit, talk shit, talk shit, talk shit. And then once the physical engagement happens, bump and sell, bump and sell, bump and feed, bump and sell, bump and sell, bump and feed, bump and sell, bump and feed, bump and sell. That's it. That's it. And then heat spot, and then he's a son of a bitch, and he gets his heat. But then once the baby face makes the comeback, it's on, you know, and he just keeps getting bumped and bumped because if he is too much of a physical threat and he's beating the shit out of people, it's going to hurt him. And that's what that, that's what it is. That, now I remember it was a slap. It was a slap out of a corner, I think, after a moonsault by, into, in the ring from the top rope by Cutler, and it was a slap. If you go back, or if MGF's hearing this, and, you, you know, <laughs> that slap, the way he sold that slap was excellent. It was excellent. And that's the type of sell he needs to do more. Okay, that type of sell is is what was going to make MJF a millionaire. 
because the way he talks, and if he could sell that way, his facial expressions on the slap, because he, if I remember correctly, he slapped Cutler first. Cutler got pissed, went to slap him, and then MJF kicked him in the stomach. MJF went to short shoot him into the corner, and then Cutler went to the top rope, moonsault. Underneath goes MJF and then slapped in the face by Cutler on JF, MJF, and the way he saw it was spectacular. <laughs> that that was the spot. So, um. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm a big fan of this kid personally and professionally. I think he's great. And Cutler, man, don't sleep on him. He's real good. And it was real good that Excalibur gave that backstory. I knew the backstory on him because I've watched that on uh, the Young Bucks uh, Being Elite YouTube show. Uh, 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 um, Gimmick show. I know what you call YouTube shows. I guess every week. YouTube show. There it is. I fucking nailed it. Um, but, but, um, so I knew that about Cutler, but it was good that Excalibur did that. And see, so that's what I, I meant, like production-wise, like a couple of things, right? See, that's where I do think that AEW could have done something a little bit better yesterday. Uh, I do think on almost every entrance, they could have and should have had, because they had enough time to do this. They did have time to do this, meaning leading up to the show that happened yesterday a video package on almost all the talent, especially the younger talents, the ones that maybe are not the Cody Rhodes and maybe are not the Chris Jericho's uh, uh, just a quick 40 second or um, 45 second, really quick video package, an ID package, as we called it when I worked in WWE. And it could happen on all of the entrances of these in particular talents. So you get not getting away from the live house, the live building, this is free consulting Jones here, but you're showing B-roll footage and you mute the A-roll footage. So you don't hear the A-roll. The A-roll is, I don't know, uh, Brandon Cutler walking down the ring. And then the B-roll is you hear the audio and you hear Cutler or you see a video package real quick that's 30 seconds, 40 seconds while you're seeing the live footage. So, you know, WWE's done this in the past. This is not like something that Taz just invented. It's just something that you don't really see much anymore. But it is something that I do think that AEW production-wise should have done yesterday. I do think that. I'm sure they've thought of this. They're smart. But there had to be a reason they didn't. But I don't know. I think giving backstory on talent is key. And, again, to go back to the top of the show that they did when they did the package of Sammy and Cody, okay, they did that video package to sh tell you the story of why these two cats are going to fight each other and, and who Sammy G is. You know, but I think you need to have consistency throughout the broadcast of that. That's my point. Okay, again, armchair quarterback and a, a company that's brand new, right? So just, just giving uh, a different perspective. Um. Uh, something else production-wise that I'll get into with you here. Um, they did a deal, trying to remember, it was Chris Van Fleet who interviewed, um, what's his name, Kevin Smith, the actor, along with uh, Jason Mewes. So they, they were promoting an upcoming movie, right? And they did this ringside. Now, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm, maybe this is something to do with TNT. I don't know the business end of it. Maybe they had to do it in this episode. Frankly, I would not have done anything like this in episode number one of Dynamite. I would not have done this. Because anything that takes away from our talent to build our talent, we're not interested in doing it right now. Unless it's something that TV partners said we need to do in this episode, okay, then that's fine. If there's cross-promotion, which it sounds like it was Jericho was in the gimmick and all that stuff, so I get the cross-promotion. Maybe they had to do an episode one. I don't, I'm not privy to that information, maybe. But, okay, let's say they had to. So 
you have this ringside interview. Okay, I I don't I don't think that the way they injected the the interruption by Jack Evans and the Helico, I don't think. I don't think anyone said their names. I don't think it helped Evans and and Helico. It didn't help them, you know, because I I don't I don't the announcers didn't have time to say it because Chris Van Fleet has a mic a live mic in his hand, so you can't talk over him. They got Kevin Smith's talking, so Jr. can't ID these guys, uh, or Excalibur or Shivani. It's a, it's just it's a little bit of a a little bit of a production cluster to be honest with you, and and I do think that's a little bit of that's something they got to look back at and work on. You know, I, I think that it didn't do anything for Evans and Helico because they, they kind of did. One's got a hood on. The other guy's got, I don't know who's who. I can't tell. I know who both these guys are. And it took me a while to figure out who they were. I did a BBB about five years ago on a Taz show, Breakdown Before Breakout, on Helico. how this guy's going to be a big star in the business. So I know exactly who he is. <laughs> and I know Jack Evans, too. So, I mean, I, but I couldn't. I, they kind of got lost in that shuffle. And then, then two more guys get lost in the shuffle in private party. They came out to, to go to Smith and Muse and say, hey, look, man, we got drinks for you. It's cool, man. Things got out of control. At least those guys got ID'd. But they didn't – I almost feel like they should have been in their gear. They didn't look like stars. You know, you got to let – you got – these are all new characters, and, and first impressions last. That's my only thing, you know, not to rail on anything. I'm just being honest. Like, I, I'm just being blunt. Like, I just think, like, it's important to, to – either have them in their gear. I mean, uh, and Helico and Evans were, but like uh, private party, I don't think they were. Well, you would think, well, shit, why would they have gear on if they're not wrestling and they're going to bring drinks to two actors that are ringside that are just got disrespected in some way, shape or form by our talent. Why would they Taz be in gear? Well, I'll tell you why they'd be in gear because we don't know who private party is. The masses don't know. So, if private party is going to draw money for the company at some point in time, and they're talented as hell, so I'm sure they're going to draw money. Well, dang, man, we, we need to see them in their work clothes that they're going to draw money in, not street clothes, but we don't know who they are. So train my eye as a viewer that these guys, uh, private party, are what they're going to wear in the ring, and they're coming out with drinks to hand it to the guy so I know they're wrestlers. So don't don't just look like two cats that are in, in, in the audience. I, that's my only thing. Again, this is... Just stuff that jumps out to me. Um, doesn't mean the segment was horrible. I just wouldn't have done it in episode one, but they might had to do it because of their TV partner and because of business. So that could be another production thing. Uh, two other things I just want to mention. Um, when Shivani, uh, Tony Shivani, was in the entranceway and he was interviewing Scorpio Sky, Daniels, and Kaz, Kazarian, which I love. I, that's SCU. I love them. I do. Scorpio Sky, this kid is just money. He's great. Uh, Daniels and Kaz, I know a long time. I consider those guys friends. They're fucking pros, so those guys are great. They're over me always. They're just great guys. And their comp, the, 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 the triple effect of these three guys are great. So Scorpio Sky basically said, hey, with the experience, the combined experience of Daniels and Kaz, I'm going to pull out of this tournament. And the, the veteran guys of our team, of our three-man team of SCU, they're going to rep, I'm paraphrasing, they're going to represent us. And then Lucha Brothers came out. And this is only entrance way, and they got pissed, and they're over. People love Lucha Bros. They love the Lucha Bros big time, and they came to, to the ramp area there, and they got into it that they're the best tag team in the universe and all this stuff, but they're over. People love them. They they did the the something in Spanish. I couldn't hear it, and the people going crazy loving it. And I'm like, wow, um, this is really cool. My only problem with the whole thing is where it was shot. 
I just would not have done this in the entrance way. I just wouldn't have. It looked cramped. And then the referees came out and Atlas security came out. Dean Malenko came out. The works backstage, you know, and it, there's just this pull apart and I'm fine with the pull apart. I just don't think it should have been done where they did it unless they were doing something in the ring unbeknownst to me that they had to keep it clear. I don't know. Unless they wanted to show some other area. This is also something you could have maybe pre-taped backstage and aired live. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying it seemed cramped. All these bodies, you know, and it just that part I didn't like. I think in the ring is best. That's your big platform. They could have done something like this in the ring. Um just just again, just just an opinion from a production perspective. It just seemed cramped where they did it. Um the other thing that jumped out to me, last thing I mentioned on, on uh, the production end of things was when they had Dr. Britt Baker, you know, she was on the, uh, she was a guest commentator to join uh, JR, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. Okay, uh, Doran Rio and uh, Nyla Rose, the first ever, who's going to be the uh, AEW World, Women's World Champ. So, a couple things. I, I would not have had Britt Baker or anybody anybody this early in this three-person team this three-man team join the announce desk right now uh i would do that in a couple of weeks three four weeks i just wouldn't do it right now i respect they're trying to get talent on the show i respect they're trying to get their people out there that's super important and that's that's smart business uh, but not if you're not gonna not if we're not going to display them properly. And what I mean by that is, you know, they did shoot a couple of on cameras of Britt Baker while she was ringside. Okay. They would go to it a couple of times during the match. Here's the problem from a production perspective. And I was a little surprised um, because I don't know. I don't know what happened. Maybe there was a problem in the headset and she didn't hear them. This, let me bring behind the scenes. What normally happens is when talent's sitting at the desk, You'll hear the, there's always a camera. There's a handheld camera sitting there looking at Britt Baker. You don't see that handheld camera. You're watching the match. And so you almost don't know when that camera's rolling or not because you're not supposed to look at the monitor while the camera's on you. You're supposed to kind of watch like you're watching the matches. And it looked like Britt Baker really was not experienced at this. And why would she be? She's a young, pretty woman. She's she's a dentist. She's a doctor. She's she's a hell of a worker. She's a star in AEW. She's someone that they're going to build. And I don't remember seeing a lower third of her name to ID her on the on camera. But the biggest problem with the whenever they would flip back to on camera on her when the handheld would be on, either they weren't telling her, "Hey, Britt, you're on camera in three, two, one, so she could smile and look ready. Um, it seemed like nobody prepped her. That's all I'm saying. It just seemed like either no one prepped her or in defense to her and the company, maybe her headset wasn't working or she didn't hear. In that case, it would probably be Keith Mitchell that would say, the, 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 you know, hey, we're coming on camera. Uh, be ready, Britt. You know, and just so one time she knew she got caught. She kind of smiled. I guess she heard them late. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the headset, but there's definitely either someone didn't prep her right. I'm just saying that that didn't come off right. I don't think they when you. I don't think you should put someone at the announce desk, especially when you have three per, three guys there already in week one. It gets a little bit clustery, um, and it's a little little much, and I think it's just let's get over this match of these two women to see who's going to be crowned the first ever AEW Women Champion. Rio ended up winning the match. 
Um, so I, I do think that there's other ways you could have showed up because she didn't even at sometimes I, I didn't even, I forgot Dr. Britt Baker was there because I didn't hear her. So I don't, you know, and, and I don't think that talent that's a guest commentator needs to talk nonstop at the desk. I actually think less is more. Um, and I, and that works. I know in WWE that's done a lot. Okay. Less is more. So I have no problem that she didn't have a ton of commentary, but I do have a problem with when they shoot her that every time they shoot her, she should look great. I mean, but she's getting caught where she's like, not, doesn't know she's on camera. And it's very obvious. It seemed awkward. Like, I, I don't I, I I don't know what happened. I don't know if they meant to do that. If they did, I'm gonna give you a strong suggestion. Don't do that. Like that doesn't look good. <laughs> like or you know, I'm not saying she's gonna sit there and be smiley and be beautiful. She's a beautiful girl as it is. But you could tell when she's not ready. Like she's just not ready. Uh, she was meaning that she didn't know the camera was on her. I just think that's a production flaw and not IDing her, identifying her with a lower third graphic. I, I, if they did that, I don't recall seeing that i don't um but they might have but i do not recall seeing that i'm usually pretty good at remembering stuff like that production stuff at the announce desk from all my years as an announcer so i kind of i you know i look at that stuff so i don't know uh it, look is i'm bringing up a couple things that most people are not going to notice and so that's fine i mean at the end of the day it's about good matches and does it show a professional? Does it look right? And yada, yada, yada. And they, they pulled all that off, I, no doubt. I'm just saying, you know, I I do think it's important to constantly at this early in the stage, you know, really show our talents at the highest level to be the biggest stars. And I know that's the team's intention, the EVPs, Tony Khan. That is their goal. It's just you got a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So it's the first show. And, again, I'm nitpicking a little bit, and I have a habit of that. You guys know that. But I'm rooting for these guys. You can see on my Twitter I'm pulling for AEW. I'm, I'm rooting for these guys, and um, I believe in them. And I'm hoping, as I record this right now, I, I don't know what the number is. Um, by the time you listen to this, you'll probably know the number, meaning the rating. I mean, I, I talked about it in the last episode of the Taz show here that, that the, I think I talked about it, the, the show that they did, that package show was very, uh, was a very, uh, a very high number. It was, I think, 600, north of 610,000 people watched a one hour show on Tuesday, I believe, uh, up against the MLB wildcard game. And was it Tuesday? Yeah, it was Tuesday. And it was, it got over 600,000 people. That's that's a really good number for something that wasn't promoted with a lot of footage that's been in the can, as they call it, for a long time. Well, well months, I should say. Um, so if that's any indication, geez, if I tell you, I hope they break a million. If they come close to a million from the episode last night, that would be awesome. Again, by the time you're hearing this, you probably know the number. So as I'm recording it, I don't know the number. But um, but the other, what was the other thing I was going to mention was on the um, the uh, oh, by the way, I, I should not just blow off Hangman Page and Pac. Look, you knew this match is going to be legit, and it was. Um, and I could watch these two cats wrestle all the time. These guys are just great. Hangman Page is a star. Pac's a star. The whole thing works. Uh, it's it's there. It works for me. Um, tremendous, definitely tremendous. Um, I mentioned Doctor Britt Baker. Oh, uh, Michael Nakazawa. Okay, so so uh, when Rhea wins th th the match and she becomes the women's champion, 
Michael Nakazawa gets in the ring and he's going to interview her and he says he's going to do it in Japanese. I, most people had no idea who he was. I'm being honest. Um, because again, I did not see a lower third graphic. I, I don't think he was ID'd until once the attack from Nyla from behind onto Rio happened. Okay, then and then I think she, I think she might have I think Nyla might have attacked. I'm trying to remember Nakazawa too. I can't recall. But but anyway, I, I I didn't know who he was. I mean, I know who he is, but like I'm saying, I, I'm saying as a casual fan, I didn't know who this guy was. Nobody told me. Nobody. I didn't see it. No. I I mean, I saw it, but no one said who he was. I didn't see a lower third. Uh, he's gonna. And I'm like, what is going on? My son happened to. He was home and he walked in the room. He's 20 years old, athlete, the whole deal. And he was watching his house. He was pretty good. He so he watched a few, a couple of segments, and then he sees uh, the end of the match for the women's championship, and Nakazawa gets in the ring and he says to me, uh, "Who's this guy?" Now my son's a real casual fan. I said, "Well, his name is Michael Nakazawa, but uh, yeah, so yeah, that's who he is." I mean, so he, he had no idea. So uh, again, just. <laughs> Just, I'm just, I'm not trying to bury no. I'm just being honest. Again, it's a, it's a new show. I get it, but it, it, that, you know, I, that's important to ID people. You know, meaning graphically or something. I got a feeling because that's not something Jr. would do or Shivani. I don't know Excalibur from Hornwall. Those guys are pros. I got a feeling that they didn't. This is just my gut. No one told me this. I feel like no one told Jr. or Shivani. Maybe that was a last minute decision that he was going to get in the ring and do that. That's what I'm thinking happened. That Nakazawa was going to get in the ring, and go to interview her. That's what I'm thinking happened. Again, I don't know. Again, huge deal? No, not a huge deal. Um, and the other two, I would say, uh, but I mentioned um, about at the top of the show when Jericho attacked um, Cody and the camera. They should have maybe pulled the camera out wide so the announcers go, whoa, whoa, look at this, look at this. And everyone knows the attack's about to happen except for the guy getting attacked, which puts sympathy on that guy. In that case, it was Cody. I do think it was they could have done something similar during um, the match they did at the to close the night, the main event match, where they had the uh, the elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, uh, which those guys are over, dude. Like over, you know. I forgot how good the Bucks are. Fuck it. I, I mean, I love all the high spots. I, I, I first saw them live in person when I was working in TNA, and I'm like, yo, these guys are the bomb, dude. You <laughs> know. So I, they, I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff. And Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega. I mean, enough said on him. And they went against uh, Santana Ortiz and the AW Champ Chris Jericho. And basically, we saw an attack from behind while, um, who was it, Brawl? Well, Moxie, John Moxie came out. Mox came out, and he attacked Omega and from behind. And there was a similar situation that reminded me of at the top of the show where I think they could have pulled out on the camera a little bit. You know what I mean? They could have pulled out on the camera a little bit and done, you know, something there where you see him coming and it builds that anticipation. They kind of did that on his debut, if I remember where you you see him, you know, you, you saw him come through the audience. I'm trying to remember the name of the paper. It escapes me at the moment. But I do think they could have done that there instead of just seeing him um, once Jericho and Omega were, I think it was Jericho and Omega, yeah, they, once they started things out, they were fighting, and then when was it when Mox came out? 
I know he threw uh, he threw a mega into the glass tables in the back of the table. They went through the glass and all that stuff. Try to remember, but anyway, it don't matter. The thing is, once Mox came out, um, uh, I do think that maybe it was when Omega was in the ring by himself. I think that's what it was. Now that I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember. Whatever. I, I do think they. I, it seemed like it was tighter. The camera work was tighter. It could have went a little wider to build that. Just again, nitpicking stuff. But anyway, um, I enjoyed the match. I understand that that Omega got pulled out and ended up being a three on two type deal. But I did like it. I'm for sure. I mean. I'm a fan of all these guys' work, and I thought the surprise was pretty cool by Jack Swagger uh, working now as Jake Hager, um, and uh, who's a former WWE champion. I will say this, too, and it seems like there's some sort of um, uh, kind of like a uh, – I, I would I would assume there's some sort of a, a group, uh, a clique being built there with Jericho and Hager and Santana Ortiz and Sammy G because he came out, too. Um, a couple things on that. I, I like that Jericho and Hager can give the rub to those younger guys, Sammy uh, G, Ortiz, and um, and Santana. I do like that. I think that part's cool. I do. Um, and Dustin Rhodes came out too. Uh, memory serves me now. Dustin came out too. So the heels got all this heat on these guys and beat up the Bucks. They beat up. You know, they beat up the Elite. They beat up uh, Dustin Rhodes, and and it was it was good heat. They ended with heat, which is always good. I like that. And I like that they gave Jericho give the rub to those young guys. If it looks like they're going to have some sort of a uh, clique or a gang or whatever, a faction. I think that's cool. My only thing, too, is when you debut this guy here, you know, as a surprise, Hager, when he comes out, I I, I, I would have ID'd him as a, a former WWE, you know, world champion. Because he was, he was WWE champion. Um, I I think that's important. I understand the the mindset that that Vince McMahon and his people created over the years. Let's not fucking acknowledge anybody else. I understand that, but you know what? Um, I think that's such an archaic way to think in this day and age of wrestling and the way the boom is happening. And you're new, you're AEW. You want to have that sport feel. I do think it's important to acknowledge history. I do. I just my opinion. I do think it's important to acknowledge history, not to go on a long diatribe. You could just say he's a world champion. He was a world champion. They might have said that, but they they did not say WWE world champion. I I think it's okay. I do. I think you want to acknowledge that. If you really are going to be different than WWE, then be different. Hey, listen, this is what made, back in the day, one of the elements, just to wear my ECW hat for a second, this is what made ECW so cool back in the day. We acknowledge all the other companies on a regular basis. <laughs> a lot of times we were fucking burying them. I'm not saying AEW should do that, but we acknowledge them. We did. We acknowledged them. We talked about them because we talked like fans would talk, but amplified because that's how fans would think. So we acknowledge it. And you have to be honest with your audience. You have to be. And they, AEW, pride themselves on the short run that they're having thus far, meaning of their existence, that they're extremely fan-friendly, and they are. They want the fan to be involved and to be happy and to enjoy what they're doing. They really are. They believe that. I know they do, and they, they're doing it. But always be true, in my opinion, to the audience. Don't insult their intelligence. That's how you piss them off. So, you know, I think that's something in ECW that we really, we really did a good job of is just being blunt with the audience, you know, for the most part, when it comes to other companies and all this other kind of shit. Look, again, nitpicking a little bit here. It's it's show one. It's episode one for AEW on that part of it. 
I would have acknowledged that Jack Swagger. I'm not saying every single time you see him on AEW Dynamite, you got to mention, oh, former WWE champion. I'm not saying that. I do think the first or second time you see him, it should be acknowledged. You know why, guys? Anybody from AEW listening? You know what it does? It gets your stuff over more because now he's on the contract to your company, to AEW. He's he's WWE champion. So to me, hey, be different than WWE. That's something Vince would never do. That's why people get pissed, and that's why they turn away from WWE because the lack of honesty over all these decades of being worked and bullshitted about so much stuff. Again, just being honest, blunt, you know me. That's how I roll. End of the day, I gave it a 9 out of a 10. If 10 was the best show ever for AEW, I gave it a 9. Gave you some negatives on it that I felt, not the end of the world, stuff that's fixable. It's show one, episode one. I promise you when they're in Boston next week on Wednesday live on TNT, they'll be even better than they were last night. They will. I'm dying to see this number. I wanted to record this episode once I knew the number, but I wanted to get this episode out to you. If you don't like that, too bad. Other than that, have a great day. I'm Taz Janot. I appreciate the download. I love you guys. I love every single one of you. You know that. I'm Taz Janot. Bye-bye.